When I was a little boy, I befriended a frog who lived at the bottom of the garden. This story has been written by user Discodingus. I take no credit for this story. I was six years old when my mum and I moved in with Nana. Mum and Dad were always arguing, and sometimes there was hitting. So she took me and left. Nana loved us, but she also loved solitude. I could always tell when I'd asked too many questions or was playing too loudly. So I'd take myself outside, weather permitting, and leave her in peace. That's how I met Solomon. It was many years ago, but this is how six-year-old me remembers the experience. Mum was at work. Nana had her feet up, smoking a cigarette as she watched morning television. I was playing on the floor with toy cars. I'd received a road mat the previous Christmas and, despite it now being summer, I still wasn't bored of it. I pushed the cars around the printed city making sound effects. Ben, said Nana, not angry but stern. I looked up, her matter-of-fact expression telling me everything. Sorry Nana, I said. She smiled and it warmed her. It's alright, sweetheart. But Nanny's trying to watch telly. I nodded. I think I'll go play outside. Alright, come here, she said in a cloud of smoke, planting a big wet kiss on my cheek. Don't go near the pond, remember? I won't Nana, I said as I wiped my face. One thing about living there was I had no friends. There were no kids anywhere near our house. I had started primary school but the few kids I played with there lived too far away, so I had to entertain myself. It was a great garden, lots of space to run around, roll around, climb trees. There was even a blackberry bush. Nana said I was allowed to eat a few a day, but I had to wash them first because of bugs and bird poop. You also had to be very careful when picking them because they grew on thorny stalks. At the very bottom of the garden was a pond, it wasn't too big, maybe two meters wide at most. There used to be fish in it but when they died, Nana didn't get new ones. Grandad used to like the fish, Nana wasn't too fussed. It had become a bit wild, taken over by algae and water beetles. I had a football that I'd kick around sometimes. After I'd picked and eaten a few blackberries, having washed them under the outside tap, I looked around for it. It was floating on the surface of the pond. Oh no, I said to myself, like it was the end of the world. I looked back at the house and pictured Nana engrossed in her programs. I decided that she would never know. It was too far to reach by hand with my little arms, but a long stick would help. There were plenty of those to be found. So I grabbed one and stood about a foot away from the edge of the pond. It had a kind of swampy, humid smell to it. There were sections where the algae separated and there was an abundance of life to be seen. Lots of tiny creatures swimming, wriggling, squirming. Very few kids have the ability to think logically. Or that's my excuse anyway. In hindsight, I should have just laid on my front to take away any danger of falling in. I think in my head, I didn't like the idea of my face being too close to the water. It looked kinda gross. So foolishly, I tried to reach it by bending over and stretching my arms. And that's when I toppled over. Up to that point I'd never been to a pool. I'd never even been to a beach and paddled in the sea. The biggest expanse of water I'd ever been in was the bathtub. I couldn't swim. The most frustrating thing about that was how close the edge looked as my head tried to stay above the surface. My legs kicked out. My arms flailed. It's crazy how quickly your energy drains. I tried to scream for Nana but I kept swallowing mouthfuls of stagnant, lukewarm water. I panicked, my head dropping below the surface. I'd emerge briefly, feeling clumps of algae stuck to my face before going back under. Eventually, it went dark, and then it wasn't again. 
I was choking up water laying a few feet away from the pond, soaking wet. I took in long deep breaths as I stared into the bright blue sky. I closed my eyes and started to feel tears coming on. Then came a voice. Don't cry little one. It sounded like a man, but it wasn't a deep voice like my dad's. It was soft and kind. It reminded me a little of my teacher Mr. Woods. He always sounded cheerful. I turned my head from side to side, perched on my elbows. Down here, there was a frog sitting on my chest, softly croaking. Just a normal, greenish-yellow frog with mottled skin. Its mouth was kind of upturned into a smile. A water beetle scurried in front of it and its tongue quickly flicked out to eat it. Excuse me, it said, swallowing it down. I sat up and it hopped off my chest. D, did you just speak? I asked, confused. It nodded slowly, the pale skin under its chin inflating like a balloon as it breathed. I did, it said. Are you feeling better? Frogs can't talk. I said, pinching my arm. It hurt. I wasn't dreaming. The frog chuckled warmly. Well, technically I'm not a frog. I mean, I am. But that's not what I would have called myself. That's what your kind call me. I lowered my head a little, getting a closer look. What do you mean my kind? Well, people, humans. You are a human, aren't you? I nodded. Yes, I'm a boy. It laughed. I thought you might be. Do you have a name? Little one. I nodded again. Ben, what's your name? Nice to meet you. Ben, I don't have a name, sadly. I frowned. Why not? Its front legs moved up slightly, like a shrug. It's just not something we do. As far as I'm aware, I'm the only one of my kind who can talk like this. My mother couldn't have given me a name if she tried. How can you talk? I asked inquisitively, shifting down lower. I laid on my front and put my hands under my chin. It shook its head. Sometimes, strange things happen in this world that can't be explained. I'm one of those strange things, I guess. If you're the only frog who can talk, that means you're a special. Its little mouth turned up at the corners. That's a very sweet way to put it. Thank you Ben. I can tell that you're a special too. I shook my head. No, I'm not. Everyone who I know can talk. The frog laughed warmly. Oh, Ben, that's not the only thing that makes something special. You're a special in other ways. Like how? Well, maybe you're a special because you can hear me. I looked up to think about it, then nodded. Maybe you're right. I've never ever heard of anyone who can talk to a frog before. Honestly, I don't think many can. I got a little closer. Can I touch your skin? Its mouth opened as it laughed. Why on earth would you want to do that? My friend Henry Collins said frogs feel slimy. Well, that's just rude, it said. I'm sure this Henry Collins is slimy himself. I laughed, shaking my head. No, silly, he's like me. For all I know, you're slimy too, it said. I'm not, feel. I held out my hand palm side up, just in front of it. It hopped a little closer, then one of its little webbed feet pressed down on one of my fingers. There was a slight cool sensation. Well, definitely not slimy, it said. See, I told you, now it's my turn. It sighed. Very well, but be gentle. I'm a lot smaller than you. I will. I stroked its back with my forefinger. It shook its body a little like a happy dog. Oh my, the tickles a bit. It said, laughing. I wouldn't say you're slimy, I said. I'm certainly glad to hear it, said the frog. But you feel kind of wet, and a bit squidgy. It gasped. Well, sorry to tell you this Ben but you're a bit squidgy too. I laughed and rolled onto my back. You're funny. 
The frog shook its head, but smiled regardless. Oh, to be a child. Ben? Came a loud voice from behind. It was Nana, standing on the back doorstep with a cigarette. My heart jumped a little as I sat up. Yes Nana, I told you to stay away from that pond. I looked back. I was a few feet away from it. I'm not that close Nana. She took a drag and blew a big cloud of smoke. I don't care. Get away from it now. Then she went back in the house. Oh dear, said the frog. I might have just gotten you into trouble. I shook my head. No, I did that myself. I was silly and fell in because I was too close. I paused and got lower again. Wait, did you see how I got out? The frog shook its head. Can't say I did, but I'm glad you're alright. I accepted it as just one of those things. I better go or I will be in trouble. I sat up. Are you always here? It nodded and turned its head to the pond. Yes, that's my home. Please come and see me again sometime. I nodded. Definitely. But I'll have to be careful Nana doesn't see me. It laughed warmly again. I understand. Just to be safe. Maybe it's best if you don't tell Nana. Or Mum. Or even Henry Collins about me. They might not understand. Does that sound reasonable? I nodded. I don't think anyone would believe me anyway. It gave a slight nod. I think you're right. I got up to leave. Brushing bits of grass off my front. My clothes were already drying due to the temperature. Ben? The frog said. I looked down. Would you do something for me? I nodded. Sure. I don't think it will be too difficult for you. But, I'd love you to give me a name. You mean, I get to decide what your name is? I said excitedly. It nodded. Absolutely. I'd really like that. Unless you're going to call me something silly like Froggy or Hoppy. I wouldn't like that. I laughed. I won't. I promise. Good. Well, next time we see each other. Hopefully I'll have a name. I nodded. You definitely will. I'll think really hard about it. I look forward to it. Goodbye for now, little one. I waved. Bye Froggy. I said, giggling. It shook its head but laughed along with me. Oh, Ben. You really are something else. A few weeks passed. I'd spent plenty of time in the garden. Sometimes near the pond too. But I didn't see the frog and it was a little disappointing. One day I came home from school. Mum couldn't always pick me up. So it wasn't unusual for her to arrange a taxi to collect me. I walked through the front door and could hear sniveling. Mum, Nana, I called. In here darling. I heard Mum say from the living room. I walked in. Her eyes were puffy and red. She held a scrunched up tissue. What's wrong mummy? I asked. She held out her open arms and I accepted them. Feeling my eyes fill up. Part of me knew already. It's Nanny. She said as she hugged me. She's gone to heaven. Darling. The house felt different without Nana, but no matter how much Mum cleaned around, there always seemed to be the smell of cigarette smoke. It wasn't unpleasant. It offered a strange kind of comfort. It was almost like she was still there. Mum and I were lucky to have the house. It was paid for in full, but Mum still had to work. Sometimes I'd have a babysitter, a nice lady called Sarah who lived in one of the houses down the road, but sometimes that wasn't an option. I know she felt terrible about it, but my mum would leave me on my own on those occasions. Promise me you'll be a good boy. She'd say, don't do silly things. Be safe. I'd always promise and always meant it. On one of those days I was playing in the garden. It had been maybe a month since I'd seen the frog. But I was so happy when I heard his soft little voice. Ben. He was sat around a foot from the edge of the pond. I ran over excitedly. Whoa. Slow down little one. He said. Be safe. 
Remember, we don't want you falling in again. I slowed to a normal pace and nodded, sitting cross-legged in front of him. Sorry, I was excited to see you. He laughed, that's sweet of you, and you don't need to apologize. I just feel it's my duty to look out for you when no one else is around. I sighed and nodded. He looked up at me. Your mum is doing the best she can. She loves you very much. It's all for you. I felt a little tear in my eye and wiped it away. I know. It's just sometimes I miss her. And I miss Nana. The frog hopped closer. Then leapt onto my knee. It made me smile. I'm so sorry about Nana. Little one. Don't ask me how I know these things. But I can tell you she's nearby in some way. She's a bit mad that you're this close to the pond. But she's happy you've got me as a friend. I cried. But they were mostly happy tears. Dry your eyes. Little one. You've got a big job to do today. Do you know what? I shook my head. No. I've already tidied my room. I washed up my cereal bowl. I picked up my cars from the floor. The frog laughed. No. No. I'm not talking about boring jobs like that. This is a very, very important and meaningful job. Tell me. I said excitedly. You need to do me the honor of naming me. I took in a big breath. Oh yes? And I have a name already. A good one. Its little mouth smiled again. Oh my. I can't wait to hear it. My Nana and I used to watch a particular film together. Quite a lot. As a kid, I loved it. I need you to remember that. I was a kid. Because it's a bad film. But kids aren't as critical and cynical as adults. They can see past the flaws and focus on the best bits. That's my excuse anyway. King Solomon's Mines. Not only a shameless Indiana Jones ripoff, but shockingly bad all around. It was my Nana's favorite film, mainly because she thought Richard Chamberlain was so handsome. Sometimes it got a little inappropriate, but being a kid it would go straight over my head. I loved your grandfather, but the things I'd let him do to me. Little did we know back then that my Nana would have never stood a chance. I loved the film for very different reasons. Not only because it was our film, but for the sense of adventure. I didn't understand a lot of it, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. At the time, it seemed like the only fitting name, and it would honor my Nana's memory too. Solomon, I said with a smile, I'm naming you Solomon. The frog looked at me curiously, turning his head from side to side. Solomon, hum. Then it smiled. It's perfect. I clapped my hands. Yay. I'm so happy you like it. I never doubted you. He said. I'm proud to call myself Solomon. So now, if anyone asks what your name is you can tell them. He nodded. I can indeed. Though I don't think that opportunity will come up very often. You're still the only thing I've ever spoken to. I gently stroked his back with my finger. And he closed his eyes with a smile. Do you think you'll ever talk to anyone else? He looked up at me. Honestly, I don't think I'll ever meet anyone else special enough. A few days went by and seeing Solomon was a given. I was happy to have him as a friend, and I appreciated that he didn't always treat me like a child. He'd tell me things as they were, truths that most adults would hide or sugarcoat. But I always felt he had an underlying responsibility to look out for me too. I was a child, and I could act like one. One day we were chatting about school. I was laying on my back and Solomon sat on my chest. Like the first day I met him, he cut me off mid-sentence, tapping his little webbed foot. He turned his head to face the house. Sorry, little one, something's not right. I perched up on my elbows. What is it, Solomon? I could see a change in his expression. He looked concerned. He had this amazing ability to show emotions like we do. Ben, someone's coming. 
someone you'll recognize. I need you to know that whatever happens right now, you'll be safe, do you understand? I sat up, and Solomon leapt onto the grass. You're scaring me, Solomon. I don't mean to, little one. It might get scary, but believe me, you'll be safe. My breathing started to get heavier and I felt butterflies in my stomach. Solomon hopped closer and rested a foot on my hand. Look at me, Ben. I looked down, my breathing stuttered. Do you trust me? My lips trembled a little but I nodded. I did trust him, as much as I trusted my mum or Mr. Woods. Good boy, he said. I heard a loud noise come from inside the house. It made me gasp. Remember, you'll be safe. I'll always be honest with you. But, you need to go see who it is. I sniveled a bit and nodded, standing up slowly and turning to the house. I started walking. I'm here, little one, he called from behind. I walked closer to the house, hearing the sound of furniture moving around. Every now and then I heard an expletive. I did recognize the voice. It was my dad. I hadn't seen him since we moved into Nana's house. I didn't want to. He wasn't nice to mum. I walked into the back door and through the kitchen, following the sounds of disturbance. They took me to the living room where he was rummaging through drawers. It took him some time to notice I was there. He jumped when he saw me. Jesus fucking Christ? Ben. My hands shook a little. I didn't like it when he used bad words. What are you doing here? I asked, my voice wavering. He shook his head. Hello to you too, boy. Where's your mother? She was at work. I couldn't lie and say she was home, so I said nothing. He laughed. She's not here, is she? The worthless bitch left you on your own. That's negligence. Leaving my fucking son unsupervised? Who does she think she is? Stop saying bad things about mum. I shouted, my whole body trembling. She's got you fucking wrapped around her little finger, hasn't she? He started to step closer. I backed up. What lies has she been feeding you? Hull, turning my own son against me, she didn't tell me anything I cried. I heard the things you said. I saw what you did. He shook his head and grinned in a sarcastic way. Right, well, you're a little kid and have a wild imagination. She's twisted it. I didn't do shit. I slowly stepped back through the hallway as he edged closer. Anyway, I heard the mother bitch is six feet under. There's gotta be some cash around here. That Scrooge hated spending money. Unless it was for a pack of John Player specials. Ha. I shook my head. There's nothing. He smiled. Well I'll just have to keep looking on my own. Then. There's nothing. I shouted. Stop saying bad things. Get out. The phone was on a little table by the staircase. It was just behind me. I ran to it and started dialing 999. It was a rotary dial. And each 9 took forever to make its way round. I'd barely managed to before he snatched it out of my hand. You little shit, he sneered, pushing me back against the staircase. What the fuck do you think the police are gonna do? They'll take you away. Is that what you want? I started crying and hit out at him, but he just laughed. I hate you, I sniveled. I wish you wasn't my dad. As if by magic, the sound of sirens could be heard in the distance. It was enough to spook him, his head turning towards the front door then back to the phone. No, it couldn't have. That's not possible. It was a miraculous coincidence, but he fell for it. I just stared at him, shaking. You know what? I bet you're not even mine anyway. Your slut mother couldn't keep her legs shut. He backed up to the front door and opened it. Yet, there's no way a little cunt like you is mine. He left and slammed the door behind him. The word he used was genuinely new to me, so it didn't have the desired impact. 
it confused me, but I figured it wasn't very nice anyway. My trembling legs carried me down to the bottom of the garden. Solomon was there. He hopped closer as I got near the pond. Are you alright little one? He asked. I nodded, but fell to my knees and cried. He didn't hurt you, did he? I shook my head. No, I believed you. It was scary, but I believed you. He patted his little foot on my knee. You're a very brave boy. When mum came home I had to explain to her what had happened. She panicked and held me tighter than she ever had before. If anything good came from it, it's that she told me she would never leave me alone again. I helped her clear up the mess dad had made. I asked her if she was going to call the police, and there was a flash of consideration in her eyes, but she decided against it. That night when I went to bed, it started to rain. I could hear it tapping against my window. I always loved that sound. It was comforting. It hadn't rained for weeks which was strange for the UK. I awoke late. A sudden bright flash emanated from behind the curtains, followed by a loud crack of thunder. It startled me. I've never been afraid of a storm but it took me off guard. It must have been what woke me up. I opened my curtains just enough to see the rain coming down hard. Then I watched in awe as the forks of lightning spread across the night sky. I blinked hard as the next crack of thunder struck, laughing to myself. As the next flash came I looked down to see Solomon's pond rippling. I thought about how happy he'd be swimming around in the rain. There came a loud crash from inside the house. Then I could hear muffled voices. I jumped down from my bed. My room illuminated briefly with the next sheet of lightning. I knew the thunder was coming, but it still made me flinch as I crept closer to my door. I pulled it open just a little and listened closely. My mum was talking downstairs, no, shouting. Then came the voice that my heart already knew was responsible for it. My legs felt like jelly, as I quietly walked across the landing, and held onto the banister. Looking down, a flash of light spread across the floor, then a loud scream mingled with the rumbling thunder. It filled me with dread. I heard my dad shout more horrible words, then I saw something that I'll never forget. My mum slowly came into view. She was crawling on her belly, and the back of her head was thick with blood. Her blonde hair clumped together. Mum, I screamed and her face slowly turned upwards. Her eyes briefly met mine. They were wide with horror. Her mouth opened. She was trying to say something. Then she collapsed. As I started to cry my dad came into view. He was holding a hammer. The head of it a glossy dark red. He looked up and sneered as the lightning struck again. And the crash of thunder was like a starting gun. I ran back into my room as I heard my dad on the staircase. Slamming the door shut. There was a chest of drawers just to the side and being young and stupid, I thought I might be able to push it over to stop him from getting in. The reality was it didn't move an inch. He burst in, making me scream. Time to be with your whore mother, he snarled, swinging the hammer down. I managed to duck out of the way and it smacked into the side of the drawers. I was on my hands and knees crawling to my bed. I wanted to go underneath it, like it would fool him. That silly childish logic again. I didn't get far though. He picked me up by the scruff of my Thomas the Tank engine pajamas. He held me up by one hand, the other holding the hammer high above. The lightning revealed strands of blonde hair matted to the head with blood. He grinned in such an evil, hateful way. You know how I know you're not really mine. I have no problem with bashing your tiny little skull in. I grabbed onto his wrist for support. His clenched fist was just in front of my face. I wanted to try and bite it but I knew I couldn't reach. So I did the next best thing. As the hammer rose higher, I kicked out as hard as I could with my left foot. 
I got him good between the legs. The pain I felt in my bare toes was excruciating, but it paid off. He dropped me and fell back, groaning as he let go of the hammer and held his crotch. But of all the places he could have rested, it had to be against the door. I jumped on my bed and threw my curtains open, scrambling to open the window. My dad was moaning behind me. You little fucker, he said. It was a pitch higher than normal. The window opened outwards. My face splashed with rain. I looked down and could just make out the roof of the little extension that was part of the kitchen. The lightning gave me an even better look. It didn't look like too much of a drop, but it was scary enough to make me hesitate. You're dead, boy. He screamed, lunging for the hammer and then throwing himself on the bed. I screamed and hung backwards from the window, my hands gripping onto the ledge. The rain came down hard on my face, but I could make out his blurry outline. The flash in the sky showed him looming over me, and as the next thunderclap came, the hammer came down. It caught my wrist. I barely had time to acknowledge the pain, then I was falling. I hit the roof feet first, toppled over, then rolled down the slightly slanted tiles until I met the edge. I tried to cling on to something but my hands wouldn't grip, slipping with the combination of water and slimy rooftop moss. I hit the back garden hard, knocking the wind out of me. If it hadn't been raining it might have been worse. The sodden grass somewhat cushioned my fall. That being said, I was frozen for a good few seconds as I tried to catch my breath. As soon as that was under control, that's when I really started to notice the pain in my wrist and toes. I managed to roll over and get to my feet. The back garden was darker than the house, but every flash helped me see the way. I held my wrist to my chest, supporting it with my other hand, and limped in the direction of Solomon's Pond. My tears were indistinguishable from the rain. My body was as wet as it had been on the day I met Solomon, and almost drowned. My dad's voice roared from somewhere behind me, making me take in a sharp breath. I'm coming for you, boy. No one will recognize you when I'm done crushing your face. I darted into the greenery on my left, ducking down. I crawled in, wincing as I put pressure on my bad wrist. I didn't stop until I felt a sharp pain on my right shoulder. It was a thorn. I was in one of blackberry bushes. I sat up and turned around, pulling my knees up to my chest for comfort. Then I slowly rocked myself as my lips trembled. When lightning struck, I saw my dad looking around the garden. The hammer was constantly raised above his head. He poked his head inside bushes, looked behind trees. He smashed the windows of the little garden shed we had and was adamant he'd found me, screaming with anger when he realized I wasn't inside. Get your fucking ass out here, now. Every crack of thunder made me jump like I wasn't expecting it. My dad turned his head to the sky and roared along with it, like a taunt. An intimidation. I closed my eyes tight and continued to slowly rock. As my dad started to move over to my side of the garden, there appeared to be another miracle. The second of the day, the storm must have been testing the electricals of the house, and something triggered the fuse box. Most of the lights went out, it got his attention. Got ya he yelled, and ran up the garden. The next flash revealed he'd gone back in the house. I slowly crawled out of the bush and got to my feet, heading left and limping the last few steps to the pond. I was exhausted, and in more pain than I'd ever experienced before. But hearing Solomon's voice made everything feel better. For just a moment, little one, I couldn't see him at first, but I could tell I was close to the pond by the sound of the rain as it hits the surface. With a flash, I saw him there on the edge. I fell to my knees and collapsed to my side. Solomon, I cried, 
reaching out with my good hand. I held it upright and he hopped onto it with a croak. Little one, we don't have much time. I took in a stuttered breath. He killed my mum, I cried. He killed my mum, Solomon. He patted my hand with one of his webbed feet, shaking his head. No, Ben. In time, she will make a full recovery. I sniveled. How do you know? Because I'm special, remember? I also know you've broken two of your left toes, and your left wrist is fractured. My jaw dropped, my mouth splashed with rain. How? I just do? Little one, your mother will be fine. Trust me, I bawled, but it was mostly relief. I believed him. He's still here Solomon. He's trying to get me. He gently tapped on my hand. I know, little one, but I can help you. I got up to kneel and Solomon leapt from my hand. By that point I wasn't only shivering from fear, but cold. The rain wasn't letting up. How? I asked. Are you feeling brave? I shook my head. No. I'm scared, Solomon. He's going to hurt me like he hurt mum. He hopped closer and patted my knee. I won't let him, Ben. But I need you to be a big, brave boy. Can you do that? I looked over my shoulder. The house briefly illuminated in a flash. Then the lights went back on. It made my heart jump. Please, little one, be brave. I turned back and nodded. But I didn't feel brave at all. My stomach churned. What should I do? Something scary? I need you to bring your father to me. I held my bad hand to my chest. How, Solomon? He'll hurt me before I have the chance. He shook his head. Not if you're fast. And clever. I know you're clever. I started crying again. But I'm just a little boy. Solomon sighed. Oh, Ben. I wish I could hug you. You're so much more than just a little boy. Before I met you, I was just a little frog. But you made me special. Because you are special. Believe in yourself, little one. I mustered a small smile and stroked Solomon on his back. We make each other special, don't we? He smiled and croaked. Exactly. Now, bring your father to me. You can do it, fast and clever. I gulped, wiped my nose with the back of my good hand, and nodded. By that point the thunder no longer made me jump, that made me feel somewhat brave. I slowly stood up and Solomon leapt to the edge of his pond, turning. I started walking up the garden. The soft wet ground squidged between my toes and soothed the broken ones a little. Ben, called Solomon. I looked over my shoulder. Thank you for being my friend. I smiled as best as I could under the circumstances, giving him a slight nod. I didn't say anything, but I didn't have to. Solomon and I had a connection. My heart was filled with warmth in that moment and it spurred me on. I watched as Solomon turned and hopped into the pond with a splash. Then I started preparing for the scariest thing in my life. The back door was open. It was eerily quiet inside. A small part of me had hoped that my dad had left, but I couldn't be sure. I picked up a small saucepan that sat on the counter, my hand trembling. Then I banged it on the cupboard door. Dad, I called. I'm here. It didn't take long at all. Within a few seconds I heard heavy footsteps on the floorboards. Then he appeared in the kitchen doorway. The hammer was by his side. He grinned. Oh, I'm gonna enjoy this. He raised the hammer and lunged forward. The first thing I did was throw the saucepan in his direction. That hadn't been planned but felt like a wasted opportunity if I didn't. It barely touched him, but it was worth a try. I turned and ran, going as fast as I could given my foot injury. It didn't take long to hear a thump and a painful yell, and I allowed myself to look over my shoulder. I'd crushed blackberries all over the doorstep, making it slippery. My dad was laying on the ground, 
writhing around. It had given me a small advantage. Fuck you, he screamed. Getting to his feet, I gasped as I turned back to face the back of the garden. My little toes were so painful, but I still ran as fast as I had in the 100 meter race on my school sports day. At least it felt like it, but I knew my dad was twice, maybe even three times faster than me. It wouldn't take him long to catch up. The lightning flashed and it guided my way, showing me what I needed to do next. As I heard my dad closing in, I jumped. I landed on the wet grass with a little slip, but managed to compose myself and kept running. I heard another yell and looked over my shoulder again. My dad was laying on the ground again, swearing. We had a pile of logs in the shed for winter fires, and I'd placed some in the garden. Ben, he screamed, getting to his feet. I'm gonna start by smashing in your fucking teeth. I turned back and kept running, relying on the lightning again. The thunder roared but I could still hear my dad behind me. I jumped over another log, but that one didn't stop him. He was looking out for them now. My last attempt at slowing him down was coming up, though he'd need to be closer for that to work. Not that I needed to slow down, I was practically within his grasp. He laughed maniacally, and I could hear the hammer as it swiped through the air. I jumped again, but this time I didn't land straight away. There was a branch sticking out from my favorite climbing tree, and I used it to swing myself a little further ahead. When I let go, it swung back and smacked my dad in the face. He screamed as he came to a halt. Your eyes? He yelled as I ran with all I had. That was the last of my obstacles. I'm gonna start by gouging out your eyes. I felt panic rising inside as I sprinted the final stretch to Solomon's Pond. My bad hand clung to my chest, feeling my heart beating hard beneath it. My dad wasn't too far behind now, and there was nothing between us. With a flash of light, I saw the pond. But I saw something else too that gave me a little fright. Protruding slightly from the surface were two big, glowing eyes. Then they raised up slightly to reveal a wide mouth that was upturned in the corners, like a smile. As the thunder rumbled I heard a deep croak, and the pale flesh below the mouth inflated intermittently. The eyes were fixed onto mine, and with a final flash of light before I reached the pond, the large head motioned to the sky. I understood. My dad had stopped speaking hateful words and instead screamed in a constant fit of rage. I took a deep breath and leapt as my toes reached the edge of the pond, landing in the middle of the squidgy wet head. It flicked up slightly to spring me to the other side where I landed straight on my ass. I had just enough time to turn and see my dad's terrified reaction as Solomon emerged from his pond, in a geyser of water. Solomon roared and shot out his large tongue. It wrapped around my dad's ankles and pulled him over. I watched in disbelief as he dropped the hammer and tried to claw at the soft ground. Solomon began to retreat back underwater. My dad's screams were more terrifying than the disturbing threats he'd hissed throughout the evening. All I could see was the very top of Solomon's head. As my dad was pulled into the water, his lower legs submerged. Help me, he screamed, his hands tearing at patches of grass. He turned to look over his shoulder at the face of what was to end his violent attack. My dad was as pale as snow, his nose bloody from the tree. I heard a loud croak as Solomon raised out of the water, then closed his mouth around my dad's waist. He smacked at Solomon's head as he struggled, but I could see him becoming visibly weaker as I heard the sound of crushing bones. Finally, my dad's eyes met mine. I can't be sure, but I think I saw the moment that life left them. They just appeared to be void of any emotion as Solomon dragged him to the depths, and the pond became deathly still. 
Just a few weeks ago I happened to be in the area of my Nana's old house. I've long since moved away, as has my mum who is as fit and healthy as you'd expect a 70-something to be. I pulled up outside and took a deep breath as I looked upon it with mixed emotions. The exterior hadn't changed a great deal. The windows were more modern. That was about it. The front door opened and a woman came out, walking down the garden path. I shut off the engine and stepped out of my car. Can I help you? She asked cheerfully. Are you lost? I smiled. No. Um. Actually I grew up here. I was just reminiscing. She beamed. Oh. That's wonderful. You must come inside. I was grateful for her offer and she took me on a little tour of the house. I was amazed by how different it looked. The last time I'd seen the inside of that house was around the early 90s, where it had the same decor as always. It was very much a family home. There were two children's bedrooms and various family photos dotted around. I got a little lump in my throat seeing my old room. The woman could tell by my reaction that it used to be mine, lightly touching my arm. As we went back downstairs she offered me a hot drink, to which I politely declined. But my eyes fell onto the kitchen window and the now completely landscaped back garden. Do you still have the pond? I asked. She nodded. Oh yes, my husband keeps Kay. Do you mind if I take a look? She smiled. Be my guest. I'm making tea. I won't take no for an answer. I stepped outside. There was no longer grass as you left the doorstep, but a modern patio with outdoor furniture. The old shed had been replaced with what looked like a small annex. There was a large trampoline in the center of the garden. Six-year-old me would have loved that. As I approached the garden's end the pond came into view. It was beautifully maintained. The edge was decorated with rocks. There was even a mini waterfall. I crouched down and watched the koi kiss the shimmery surface. My heart filled and I felt my eyes glaze over, having not thought about that pond for some time. There was a croak to my left. I looked down to see a little frog hop towards me. It made me smile. Hello you, I said, lightly stroking its back. It made no attempt to hop away. It looked up at me, and I swear its little mouth looked like it was smiling. I got more comfortable and held out my hand palm side up. The frog willingly hopped on top. My heart jumped. I brought it closer to my face and studied it. It had been years since I'd seen Solomon, and with no offense intended, I wasn't sure I'd be able to tell him apart from any other frog, and given their short lifespan, he'd probably be long dead already. But Solomon wasn't like other frogs. He was special, and this was curious behavior. Solomon, I said quietly, paranoid I'd be heard by the welcoming woman. It just looked at me and croaked contently. It's me, Ben. A part of me was preparing for a response. I wasn't sure how adult me would react to that, but there came none. Just a pleasant little expression on its face as it croaked. I let out a little laugh. Once upon a time, there was a very special frog who lived here. I know it sounds silly, but he was the best friend I ever had. I never got to thank him for what he did for my mum and I, so I'll say it to you. Thank you, Solomon. I felt tears in my eyes as I shook it off, preparing to put the frog down. But it moved closer to my face and placed its little webbed foot on my nose, tapping lightly. The woman in the house seemed genuinely warm, as I'm sure her husband is too. But I knew in my heart, if either of them turned out to be monsters, their children would be safe for as long as they lived here.